Today's podcast is presented to you by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you'll get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co. That's again, podgo, P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And be sure to add the Social Work Rants podcast in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of your application. Disclaimer, this podcast is not to be a substitute for individual therapy. If you need assistance, call 911 if you're in the U.S. or any emergency phone number. If you need help, if you feel depressed, anxious, reach out to someone. This podcast is for educational or entertainment purposes only. Thank you. Social workers, mental health professionals, and change agents, welcome to another episode of the Social Work Rants Podcast. I'm your host, Bass Moreno. Hope everybody is doing well out there. Uh, it's getting hot on the East Coast, uh, in Delaware. Uh, the weather down here is is so inconsistent. Um, uh, if, I, if I were to diagnose it, it would definitely be... Uh, no, some sort of borderline personality disorder. It'd be um, sunny for a couple of days, then it'd be raining and raining on the same day with the sunshine. Is the weather? Nobody told me the weather down here is going to be so uh, <laughs> inconsistent. But anyway, hope everybody is doing well wherever and however you're listening to this podcast. Uh, I appreciate all the love and support. Um, um, know spending some of your time to listen to the podcast i really truly appreciate it um you can follow the podcast on instagram at the social work rants podcast that's all one word you can follow the podcast on twitter at social work rants um, that's all one word um still working on that um poetry spoken word ebook i'm hoping to release that you know this summer uh, finally got some inspiration to write some some more stuff down, so that's in the works. Um, you can follow the uh, self care business page at Bass City Entertainment LLC. That's all one word. Uh, also have a Facebook page. Look up Bass City Entertainment LLC on Facebook. Um, also, uh, virtual Zumba classes uh, will be starting soon. Um, I'm getting back into shape, um, going to the gym, taking some Zumba classes, you know, you know, learning the cueing or reviewing cueing and all that, uh, good stuff that us as, uh, Zumba instructors do to make sure the class is, is done correctly. So that's coming in, in, in the pipe, uh, coming soon. Um, my apologies for not releasing the episode last week. 
Uh, just uh, stuff with work is uh, happening uh, beyond my control. So um, I don't want to go uh, into it too much. I'm just letting uh, uh, God work his magic and uh, uh, mom in heaven work her magic and, um, and you know, blessed that I'm finally having some days off it's officially summer vacation on on the work front so you know i'm just going to you know no i've been pretty much i worked every day so far this calendar year without a break so uh, it was nice uh, these last couple of days not working and enjoying life and enjoying the uh, the good weather uh, that's been happening the last few days so this week's episode, uh, this weekend is Father's Day in America. So this episode and then next week's episode, um, celebrating fathers. You know, if you've been listening, you know I'm a dad of two kids. Um, love them, but they dro- drive me insane. Um, definitely giving me a lot of uh, white hair on my head and my chin. So. Um, this week's episode, uh, these next two weeks' episodes is uh, uh, social work and fathering. So um, this week's episode features uh, Jason Levine. He's a licensed clinical social worker here in the wonderful state of Delaware. Uh, finally uh, connected with somebody uh, in the social work um, f- that's working in Delaware. He's also licensed in Maryland. Um, uh, for those who don't know, um, uh, Maryland and Delaware are, are uh, right next to each other. Um, depending where you go uh, in Delaware, it's a Maryland. You don't even have to go over a bridge or anything like that. So, um, so yeah. So you no, know, we talk about you no know, his role as, as a licensed clinical social worker. Um, you no, know, seeing. Uh, as a private practice, seeing uh, patients in his private practice, he we um, we have something in common. We we used to work in foster care, so we spent a lot of time uh, discussing um, what it was like in foster care. We, uh, we discuss um, what was twenty twenty like uh, during you know, the pandemic, um, you know, the height of that pandemic. Even though we are still in a pandemic, so despite all the uh, uh, restrictions lifted uh, please be careful please stay safe there's people who have been fully vaccinated still getting uh, COVID-19 uh, even if it's a mild case um, so just be careful if, um, I'm still wearing my mask uh, maybe not as uh, uh, strict like I was before uh, this past year year and a half but I'm still wearing my mask so no, do what you want, um, but just stay safe and um, and care for the people around you, you know, where, where and around your surroundings as well. Um, so yeah, so we go into 2020. Uh, what was it like for him? Uh, his role as a dad um, and how he juggles fatherhood and social work. So at after this message from Anchor is my conversation with uh, Jason Levine, licensed clinical social worker 
in the beautiful state of Delaware. Uh, thanks again uh, for everybody for listening. Now stay safe. For all the dads out there in the U.S. of A., uh, happy Father's Day. Uh, every day is Father's Day, but you know this coming Sunday is is our day. Hope you enjoy it with your uh, families, with your kids. Uh, however, uh, you know that may play out for you. Uh, enjoy it and stay safe, y'all. How are you? I am good, sir. How are you? Good. Pleasure having you on. No, the pleasure is all on this end. <laughs> Cool. Uh, how's your day going so far? It is good. I like that we're doing this Father's Day thing, and my kids are acting like they don't want me to be their father today. So that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and every time I do a podcast I'll, I'll episode, I always got to like, tell the kid, I'm going to do an episode, like, you know, don't do anything crazy. <laughs> like, let me get through this, and and then I'll, I'll be up there, to, <laughs> and you can bother me. <laughs> Exactly. My kids are five and three, and they're like, oh, you have something to do? I'm going to fall down right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Got to love parenting. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yes, so, uh, so let the listeners know who you are and what you do in our wonderful field of social work. Okay, um, my name is Jason Levin, and I am a licensed clinical social worker in the state of Delaware, also licensed in Maryland, and I have a private practice that I am the solo practitioner in, and um, that's what I do present day. I used to work for the Department of Social Services, so basically child welfare, uh, in a bunch of places in the state of Maryland, so I've done everything from um, right after the investigations for CPS all the way through trying to keep families together to foster care to adoption to aging out of foster care and all that fun stuff. Lovely, yeah. That that's how I started in in the field many many moons ago in in, in foster care. It's definitely, uh, if you can make it out of foster care, you could basically do anything in social work. <laughs> I was gonna say that is the best way to earn your stripes because you see everything. In it. Yes, you do. Yes, no, literally, pretty much anything, and and it just overlaps to where wherever you go. Uh, I would recommend any any new social work coming into the field, uh, just do a year, even six months in foster care. You will learn so much so fast, and it's at least from my experience is very uh, you know cutthroat with upper administration. But you will even learn you no know, job security, what to look for. In supervisors in your next position, you learn so so much and 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 so fast. Uh, so no matter what state you're in, um, and so tell me about tell me about your experience in foster care. Like how? Well, basically, the way it started was um, I think I'm funny, so I tried to do uh, stand up in New York, and I went to an acting school, and then that didn't work out because I'm not funny so I transferred back to my home state to try to figure out what I wanted to do I've also I've not also I've always been uh, very interested in social justice um, and trying to help those who have a difficult time either helping themselves or feeling heard um, and I also had a lot of student loans and I found out about this program so anybody who's out there for social work um, thinking about going into the field it's the title 4e of the Social Security Act 
And basically what it does is um, the state will help pay for your school as long as you have a field placement or internship with the state in their local Department of Social Services or Family Services. Um, and then once you graduate from school, you get a guaranteed job, but you have to work for the state for a calendar year for every academic year that they help pay for your school. So like when you're talking about job security, um, yeah, it's not just job security. It's, it's job imprisonment because you have to do it or you have to pay all that money back. But it right. is a g- great way to make sure you get in the field, um, that your internships, you learn how to work within that bureaucracy, which can be very frustrating when all you're trying to do is help people. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I would love if every social worker could work in child welfare in some capacity because you literally see everything A through Z. Yeah, that, uh, absolutely. I mean, uh, from like drug and alcohol abuse, just regular parenting skills, HIV, AIDS. Oh man, just just learning different with kids and you know, development development uh, disabilities and mental illness, domestic violence. Just, like you, you see, you literally see it all. Like I did three years and and seen a lot, and definitely helped me uh, land. Uh, my 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 you no know, couple of jobs after that, so it, it was just a world of, of experience and just uh, you know being young into the field and so I had a lot of energy and you no know, playing with the kids and and, and and being Santa Claus for the kids <laughs> and it's a and then dressing up for Halloween parties and like try to scare kids like i was dressed as freddy freddy krueger one year oh, and wow, like, wow like grab like gra- grabbing like like the uh or just like playing with with the newborns on my case load that came to the party and i'm like literally in the freddy krueger costume <laughs> taking pictures with newborns <laughs> <laughs> so like wow. i i had a, a good times, even though it was stressful as hell but they were, like they definitely a lot of good times yeah one of the um the cool things because i am just a white male from suburbia and um, going into the field, you get to see, because I feel like n- nothing against anything in terms of um, outpatient or residential, but when, when you're doing like foster care, working for the state, you literally see people in their homes. Mm-hmm. So you see how they live and what circumstances are. So you can't be like, oh, just try this with your kid when your next door neighbor, there might be some activity going on there that makes it very difficult or you don't have air conditioning. So it's like, Oh, I didn't even think of that. It's 98 degrees outside. You must be really angry from that. Not just yeah. the stuff that's written in a case record. So you really do get an exposure to how people live and what their circumstances are. And I think the, the biggest lesson I learned, which, you know, I probably shouldn't say this out loud, but whatever was almost like a disappointment was the people I've worked with who perpetrated um, abuse for the, I, I would say 99% of them without, without exaggeration, they weren't monsters. Like you, like the perception you get in the media is like, Oh, these are terrible people. And it's like, they, they tend to just be trying to do the best they can. And they'll tell you like, Oh, I'm just doing what, you know, my dad did to me. So I would be respectful. I didn't think yeah. I was hurting them. And it's like, Oh, that makes it so much harder to view you as a bad guy when I find out you're just trying to take care of your kid. You just don't know the best way to do it. 
I mean, right. there was one person who, um, you know, I, I legally can't say anything identifying about who was truly um, a monster, but everyone else was just trying to do their best, but they had their own stuff going on, or you find out they were in the system. So it's like you're taking your, the state helps take care of you until you have a kid. And then all of a sudden it's almost like punishing you. And it's, right. it, it's, it's such a terrible, like intergenerational trauma. And yeah, they, they don't teach you that in school. Yeah, absolutely. And, and culture plays a, such a, a, a huge part as well that, you know, you're not going to, it doesn't come across in, in the case notes in, in foster care or, right? unless you actually, or even the the courts don't really take into consideration or, or like, or otherwise, other than tell you, oh, we, we don't do this in this state or we don't do this in America. And so you need to like do this and, and stuff like that. So it's, you definitely see a, a, a lot of, a lot of that uh, going on and uh, how, be careful how to write case notes and in uh, court reports and, and things in that nature because you know it's it's an allegation that you have to like you know prove and while at the same time uh well well division of social services have to prove the allegation was actually factual and you're just trying to provide services and court mandated services and make all these referrals to the parents that you're trying to work with and well convince them also you're not the bad guy you're just the in the middle just trying to provide services and sometimes initially the kids may see you as, as the bad guy like no i was i didn't take you away from your parents like i'm trying to help you get back to your parents if that's the where you no know, best is is if that's going to be the safest uh placement for you so it, it is is a lot of that initially when you get brand new cases so yeah and definitely depending on where you are working because i've worked in um Anne Arundel county maryland which is pretty much like a, a suburban area it's like a suburb of dc and then i worked in baltimore city which i don't know if you ever watched the wire but i was basically on the set of the wire and then i worked in kent county maryland which has twenty thousand people literally more cornfields than like citizens and just being conscious of you know these little microcultures just within your geography and you know some people they're, they're born live and die within five square miles and you've got to be aware mm -hmm. of what goes on those five square miles you can't just say oh i know about this general population and socioeconomic status like no you, you gotta know that block that's yeah. what matters yeah absolutely and and it's funny you you meant you mentioned the wire in in, in baltimore city because uh, uh, one of my friends from high school was a police officer in Baltimore City, and he was, and he mentioned the same thing. You ever seen the show The Wire? That's exactly how, how it was. So it's funny you you mentioned that. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and, I, and I only been to to the Baltimore City once, and that, that just to watch an Orioles game, and like literally, like you you leave, uh, go like two blocks anywhere which direction from Cannon Yards and uh, where the Baltimore Ravens play and you like smack down middle of the hood. So <laughs> it was yep. um, my, my grad school is University of Maryland, Baltimore. And uh, yeah, you, you are right there. Once, once, once you get away from like you said, two block radius, you are right where um, the action is happening. Mm. Crazy. So, um, how, 
Now you mentioned a, a little bit. How, how do you like get into social work? Well, ever since um, I was about like 10 years old, I was always that kid in school that people would talk to. Like, I think I had a friend whose dog had died and, you know, everyone's trying to say like, oh, dogs go to heaven. And like, it wasn't making her feel better. And then I was like, oh no, that really sucks. Like that really hurts. It's really bad. And just like validating the feeling as opposed to trying to make myself feel more comfortable kind of like if someone sneezes you say bless you not because you care but because you'll feel weird if you don't say bless you like it's for yourself as opposed right. to taking care of the other person and then um you know I, I don't think i'm not trying to speak for you but i don't know a lot of people who get into the field because they don't have uh their own stuff going on through at least some part of their lives um and then just being able to relate to people and it it, it just seemed to always be there like when i did stand up after the show, sometimes people would say that they liked it, and I'd say, oh, thanks. And then they'd say something like, oh, yeah, it just made me forget about my day. And I'm like, oh, well, what happened today that you wanted to forget about? And we would just get into it. And then just seeing um, people not be treated the way that they deserve to be treated, but also not knowing how to assert themselves or stand up for themselves. Mm-hmm. And uh, whether it was kids with other kids or kids with teachers or... Um, just, you know, again, just being a white male and seeing how other people are treated, not really understanding why and not thinking it was right and wanting to actually do something about it. And then I was like, well, how can I do something about it and get paid extremely poorly at the same time? <laughs> and boom, put social work popped up. That's that, that, that is funny. It's is is true for a lot of the cases uh, and I'm, I'm learning at least for the past like year and a half that you you can make some money without actually having to 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 get the lc which unfortunately is the way we're going in social work you got to have like a they're forcing you to try to get the lc even though they make it so hard for you, for you to try to get it so mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, um like I'm, I'm 36, and I, I've heard just recently, state of Maryland is because it used to be you get your LC and you can do whatever. Like it was like you could open a practice, you could be a, a supervisor, you could be this and that. And now they're almost like splitting it up so that if you want to go into a certain area, you have to get like an LC for specifically mental health. And if you want to open a practice, and I'm like, thank God that wasn't me because I did I did foster care. That, I mean, while that involves mental health, that wasn't like sitting in a clinical setting and just doing that, or else people would almost get stuck on a certain track. And one of the best things about social work is, and I think you were saying this earlier, you can go from like foster care, then working in prison, and working in outpatient, and working with the military. Like mm-hmm. it's needed or like in hospital, it's needed everywhere. But when things start to get specialized, it, it kind of restricts what you can and cannot do, which is kind of disappointing to see it go that way. Yeah, that uh, that that's definitely doesn't make a, 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 a lot of sense. Once you have your LC, I mean, the whole point of the LC, you pretty much can do whatever and work pretty much wherever you want to do. Uh, work in whatever nonprofit and still have your your private practice or just do private practice um 
And for, for those who don't want to do a get an LC or or even a, a LM, like you know, you don't don't have to. But it's almost like the profession is trying to, you know, you don't really have a choice but to get an LM. Or even though like I've been, you know, pretty successful in my career without having my my LM as of as of yet, and I'm going on almost so 20 years in in the field, so. You know, it, it's unfortunate where where our profession is, you know, is going to uh, going through. And I hope uh, the you know the NASW uh, and even not not only just the national because uh, the national chapter has definitely has a lot of issues, but also the local chapters you know you know do something to try to you know you know change that and prevent that because you know I've done. I went from foster care to mental health with adults to doing mental health for kids and work with HIV and AIDS adults to scatter site housing and to, to not working in, in a school setting currently. So it's just different populations that work, work with in the LBGTQ and it's just on, on and on and HIV AIDS population and dual diagnosis and, and so I've gained you know, so much experience in doing all these different things that to to be you know stuck on doing only one thing where there's so many different things out there to to do and want to do and you know, make an additional income it would, would really suck for the profession. Yeah, absolutely, and getting that LC or the equivalent is expensive. Like, yeah. <laughs> you have to take the, the test itself costs like $250 in like 2009, I think. And then you got to get your CEUs. Like, where I am, you need 40 or 45 every two years. And um, you usually get six apiece, but it can cost like $400 if your agency is not paying for it to get six. I mean, I don't math, um, but that just ends up being a lot of money. And yeah. If you're just trying to help people and you get into a profession that at least initially doesn't pay super well, um, it, it's hard. Like I had to make a decision between like um, doing something that I'd really want to do um, and being able to meet a guy to buy a secondhand study guide for my exam. And it was like, really, this, this is what it comes down to. But, <laughs> you know. That's just how it works. Redskins lost anyway, so it didn't really matter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, so how 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 is it? Uh, you no know, fathering, just you know, parenting. How uh, uh, and and try to balance you know, having a social work career and, and try to parent for you. Yeah, I, I found like an exceptional challenge is I know what to do to help almost everyone else's kid. But then my kid presents with the same thing. And I'm like, I don't know what the hell's going on. Why are you doing this? <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, I know about like attachment and extension and some like DBT stuff. And I can't apply that when my kid's crying. I don't know what's happening. Um, and that, that kind of humbling experience of that. It helps you see where other parents are coming from, but it does make it more difficult when there's an expectation um, from yourself that you know how to do this, that you don't know how to do this when it's yours. <laughs> yeah, that is the truth. I, I just see like outsiders be like, but 
you're the social worker like why like why are you uh like la laughing at, <laughs> at, a, at a kid inappropriately where like you know you should be like you know having the empathy <laughs> and all these skills or like yeah but sometimes like you no know, real life shit is funny <laughs> like, the, yeah. it doesn't <laughs> and sometimes you gotta laugh at your kids sometimes as a parent like you're you're the first no, no, tease them. Just you're the, like you. Sometimes you you gotta be like that first bully and like toughen the kids up and like, you know. Sometimes they do funny stuff and you just laugh at them first and then you like deal deal with like whatever they're they're going through. Especially you know, you know younger kids like they do like you know a lot of funny stuff. They say funny things and they're trying to put words together and they uh, so you no. Know, sometimes they still like you know making sounds and it's say words and it sounds like completely different and you could quickly have a conversation and go and go left real quick <laughs> so yeah. uh, I'm, i i remember one time um like my ex-wife and i were driving with my son my daughter wasn't born yet and my son was like oh oh look at that big truck and he's trying to say truck he hasn't sound his t's yet so he sounds like he's saying cock and, and we're like mm -hmm. what the hell what the hell did he say yeah. <laughs> And then you try to like with the phones and everything. You try to record them. Like, <laughs> I'm just gonna use this against you when you act like an asshole waiter. <laughs> exactly. Like, like I got I, I got years of materials. So when you have your first girlfriend, like I'm just gonna blow up your spot and like just make fun of you. Like this this is how he is. You still want to deal with him? <laughs> and uh, one of one of my favorite comedians, uh, Damon Wayans Jr. He had uh, he's talking about his. Uh, family and he's like we have a rule in my house because I'm a comedian and like if it's funny you're not getting in trouble and um, <laughs> that is absolutely how it works in my house um, but it's like yeah be prepared to be made fun of if it's funny like you never do something that's actually you know, knowingly hurt a kid but if he falls yeah, down course. and you're like well <laughs> try to not do that again yeah <laughs> You say that part under your breath, but um, <laughs> that's just how it works. You have to be real with your kids because you got you got real life that they're going to be encountering. Yeah, well, you know, one one time my son fell he, for some reason. I I don't know if I was vacuuming, and I, and I know when he was younger, he hated the vacuum. He was just scaring him, so I used to chase him with the vacuum cleaner. And then, like one time, he started running. He put both both his hands over his ears and he started running and he tripped over his own feet and he like busted his ass on the floor <laughs> and I just like started rolling laughing. You know, that was hilarious the way he fell. <laughs> and so you laugh first and they're like, oh, oh you're, oh, you're okay? Or like, you know, make sure you're not hurt. Like he didn't like fall, fall on his face or anything like that, but we just laugh. And my ex-wife and I were just laughing at, laughing at him for like the first couple minutes before we made sure he was all right. <laughs> she was funny. So you, you say, like, I bust my ass all week working and like trying to help people. So like, I need to get some some entertainment from somewhere <laughs> at the expense of my own child. So. <laughs> no, it's true. Like, I, um, my kids saw on the playground one time and we were with um, some other friends and I laughed and they were like, uh, but like don't you help people not do that with their kids and I, I just remember like snapping back instantly and being like bitch do I look like I'm on the clock yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that, that was just it <laughs> uh, 
yeah even you know, like my, my once i had my daughter like she like loves to like go around spaces like where she really shouldn't fit and there's like uh in a small hallway and she's like really trying to go around me and in the hallway and you know she was like a toddler at the time so like i'm literally like smacking her with my butt and like she's crashing into the wall like like i'm a hockey player like, ch- like checking her into the boards it's like like why are you going around me for like this the small small hallway you're trying to go around me like this is how you say excuse me when you want to go around past people you say excuse me okay <laughs> so i'm literally yeah. like, smacking her with my big old butt and like she crashed into the wall it's it like well, like watch out it's her fault she's trying to go around me when there's no space <laughs> like i didn't see yeah. that he's <laughs> like hold on <laughs> you're like uh, I told the kids all the time, you're gonna learn the easy way, you're gonna learn the hard way, but you, so, somehow, some way, you're gonna learn, and you know, somehow you're gonna learn put put two and two together. <laughs> oh man! Uh, so has like pa- has parenting like like made like you like aware of because you're in the social work field of, of, of how to speak to the to your kids how to like um uh, i can i can't can't do certain things or say such and such because you no know, i don't i don't want to have a a a, a a child welfare case against yeah. myself or, or or anything like that as like it ever been a time where like you know, you've been in a situation but like if I wasn't in social work, I would like might risk having a child welfare case because my kid is just really acting a damn fool right now. Yeah, I feel like as soon as I had kids, I was like, oh, that's why they hit them. Like, <laughs> I, I, I started to get it. Like, you don't know what else to do. And you're like, why are you making the sound come out of your mouth? Stop. <laughs> your diaper sign, you're like, you're not hungry. You're not this, you're not that. And, um, you start to get it a little bit more. And um, it, it, it's also funny because you learn stuff like from the foster kids you work with about like, cause, and I say this with an ungodly amount of respect and admiration. Like they, they, they learn how to survive and the dude, yeah, you got to be super manipulative and, you know, you could be manipulative and try to sell like BS pharmaceuticals to the elderly, or you could be manipulative and be a really good hostage negotiator. Like a characteristic is neither good nor bad. So you use it. And so um, I'm like teaching my kids how to be manipulative to get out of trouble. Um, and their mother doesn't like that. So we're, <laughs> we're married. And, um, and also like how to, you know, get a kid back who might be bullying or something um, and not get caught by the teacher. But yeah, like you, you learn those lessons, but you also, as you were saying, like there are times where you're like, I'm just, I'm a mandated reporter. So I'm just going to do this. And then I'm going to report myself because (laughs) you're acting like an idiot. And I do not like this. Yes, some of the, some of the kids these these kids do, and my kids are a little older. So my son is twelve, and he's like, he's part of the generation of just watching other kids playing video games. And I hated that work, you no, know, doing the therapy with, with the kids. All they wanted to do for the 
30 to 45 minutes was to go on YouTube and see other kids play instead of talking about whatever was going on in their week. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna let this session pass because you no, know, I'm tired. And like, <laughs> but next week you you like, I'm giving you two weeks. Like, I hope something happens in the two weeks that we need to talk. And like, you the following week happens and you still want to do the the YouTube and see other kids play. No, we're not doing it. So that's my like my son is doing that now, and it drives me crazy because it reminds reminds me of, of the client the clients I had, and that's what they want to do. Or he's just all into. Like the video games now, we, you know, which is cool because you know the graphics are, are so much you no know, better now. But at the same time, you know, growing up, I, there was no such thing as internet. Say, uh, like teaching my son uh, what to do, not to do, being on on the lookout, you know, for predators and stuff like that on online. And there's so many different things out coming up in terms of technology. So it, it's a, a crazy time to. To parent uh, a preteen and even my nine-year-old daughter, and you know, always want to get into stuff and herself, and she, she's my 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 wild child. So it's always uh, a very interesting time. <laughs> and and now with the pandemic and stuff, having uh, not only be in each other's faces twenty-four-seven, while I, like always had a break with uh, their grandparents and. And like I need a break from you guys. Hey, yeah, you guys are going to Jersey. Like you're yeah, driving me nuts. <laughs> <Yeah>. and, uh, <laughs> like peace, like peace out. See, see you, see you on Sunday. And have like the whole weekend to to myself, and and not and not always like having that. So, how, how was the pan, you know, raising kids during the pandemic for you? Um, I was unnecessarily lucky because um, my wife is a teacher, so. She got to be very, um, like, she was present, and she, oh, this is going to sound terrible, but, like, she basically took care of them because, like, I couldn't. Like, I was in session all the time because um, that was my job, and we got a five- and a three-year-old, and, you know, they know their tablets inside and out now, but it was um, incredibly stressful. I, I, I can't imagine two people having to work at or or a single parent having to work at home and take care of kids who actually had to get schoolwork done like my kids were two and four like mm -hmm. yeah, your shit but like you had kids who were going through like elementary school middle school high school trying to get ready for college and they you know they're already not paying attention in class let alone when in class is just right next to a youtube video right and they got like their cameras off or whatever. And but what are you going to do with that? It is yeah. really hard to argue with them because it's so difficult. How how did you go about all of this? Um, I was actually lucky because my my uh, my now fiance is also a a teacher, so she was was able to stay home and you know, kind of like she became uh, the full the full time parent while i still had to go to the office for a couple of weeks until we finally was able to convert and work from home so i be was well, only seeing the kids on the on the weekends while i was also caring for two elderly parents at home and then and then uh you no know, no thank you for the uh the email the initial email you sent me um no I, and then you no know, having to deal with the loss of 
my mom during the the whole time. Mm. And then well, so like dealing my my own grief, then dealing with my parent, my dad's grief, and that he was bringing up no stuff from his childhood that somehow it came up of nowhere like i'm i'm not going to be your therapist i'm just going to be like your son and like i'm not for my own mental health not trying to take on your grief as well while i still gotta be the parent for my kids and i can only really see them on, on the weekend because i gotta work dur- during the week and you know doing the whole try to not to do the whole back and forth from living in in Queen in the in the Bronx and going to Queens at the time, you no, know, and uh, you know only going back and forth on, on Uber and not trying to do too much because at the at the time you didn't know where the you no know, all the the virus is airborne you could get it anywhere to like you know where we at you no know, currently as of this recording a lot has changed in the past year and a half but you didn't know where you're going to get the COVID from, how you get it, how it came to, to your system. And it was just a, a, a crazy, crazy uh, time. While, while on top of that, losing uh, clients left and right from, from COVID-19. So it, it was mm-hmm. a, 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 a crazy, crazy time dealing with multiple losses from multiple areas. And then, uh, you know, dealing with uh, being uh, the epicenter in New York City or of you no know, COVID nineteen initially to you no know, where my 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 girlfriend at the time my fiance now uh, you know being uh, having uh, you know they they brought the big trucks uh, the freezing trucks and literally was like uh, to the hospital in, in Queens and it was literally like a, a 15, 20 minute uh, walk from from that from that hospitals and then. Uh, no, New Jersey, where you no know, kids, grandparents, other set of grandparents live at, and uh, having uh, the Bergen County being a an initial epicenter for a while in New Jersey. So it's not like I could have like dropped off the kids in, in Jersey either. So it was like kind of all the way around. Uh, uh, grateful for like my my now fiance being a teacher that she could have. Uh, you know, watch the kids and and doing the whole online, you know, schooling with them and f- figuring things out. And grateful for my kids' teachers at the time too, because my my son's teachers they 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 are ready to go like day day one with with all the all the technology. Because one of his teachers were was the technology teacher a year or so ago. So uh, prior to that, so. Um, they were on the ball. Um, my, my my daughter's teacher was like a little bit not as tech savvy, so it took a little bit longer to get stuff together. But uh, no, grateful for them too, and no, grateful for my fiance now. And uh, so it it was crazy. So not being able to parent the way I was, I was literally taking the kids to school. We, you know, for the most part, p- picking them up or had somebody drop them off home, and then you know, providing. A, uh, what are we gonna eat for dinner, or like, you know, get ready to shower and bedtimes and doing all this stuff to uh, just focus on uh, being the caretaker for my parents after work or during work time, and it, it was just a crazy, crazy time. Man, I mean, you can't you can't see me right now, but like my jaw is on the floor. <laughs> like, damn, <laughs> that that is just so much, and um, you know, I I I, I feel. You know, I, I'm not ever going to pretend I know how somebody feels, but I, I can 
in a different setting understand about that whole like hey I, I got my role with you mom or dad like i'm not your therapist i mean that's why my whole um you know tiktok instagram thing is like not your therapist dude like because i'm not and um it's it's hard because people know what you do and they just want you to take on that role when god forbid something you know is unfortunate and it's what you experience with your mom um it's like, yeah, dad, like I lost my mom and I understand that you lost, you know, like her, like your wife maybe, but like I still lost my mom and you kind of get put almost on the back burner unintentionally. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I understand yeah. That. That's, that's your wife for 40 something years, but at the same time, you know, like my jobs don't only get, it only gave me like three days bereavement and I took two other days sick leave and then I was literally back back to work the the following week while <laughs> well, still did so and then the more clients keep passing away and then like all I had was like the weekends to be with the kids so it was just uh from March for everything shut down all the way to I would say like probably through August because um, that was like my mom's birthday is in August so all the way the whole summer was just uh, a crazy crazy time it wasn't until like September where things finally started like started seeing the light at the end of the tunnel yeah I mean it's just when people you know unfortunately we're not taking this seriously and sometimes can continue to not take it seriously and it's like in you know on, you gotta edit this out. I totally understand, but I work with a few people um, who, you know, buy into the entire idea that it's you know just a cold, and they're making a big deal out of it when it's really mm-hmm. nothing. And I'm like, dude, my I have two friends that that died of it. It's like, oh well, did they have underlying health conditions? I'm like, no, they died of it. That's like a, you know if somebody, you know, is shot <laughs> and then they die. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't ask, well, did they have high blood pressure? Like, that doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, before they had it, before they had COVID, they were alive and now they're not. Like, it's real. And then being, having to literally be their social worker and talk to them about it is extraordinarily difficult because it's like, I'm also trying to help you out so that you're not acting foolish and getting yourself sick. And then, being one of those people who unfortunately have to write their last Facebook post about, oh, I was so wrong, I should have taken this seriously, and then, you know, you don't have the opportunity to take it seriously for whatever mm-hmm. reason. It's awful. Sorry, that was my little soapbox right there. <laughs> Not, but but how do but but how do you like handle that as a social worker? You know, you haven't uh, obviously you got the different views from from your clients. So how do you like? manage that and then how to like you de-stress after having a session like that i totally do you this is another place where like the foster care really came in helpful um because it was thinking all right these people are doing the best they can they're understanding the best that they can and my job you know our jobs as social workers is never to fix anything like we have the shittiest business model out there like it's like i'd like to never work with you again as quickly as possible (laughs) um because you'll be able to do it on your own so just trying to plant seeds here and there with literally everything 
um, they're like, oh, well, I know people have been saying that. And something else I've heard is X, Y, Z about a vaccine or about the masks and, or I give anecdotes or sometimes make up like hypothetical anecdotes about like, well, what if something did happen and that person did pass while having COVID, like, would you be able to forgive yourself? Even if you thought it wasn't because of COVID in the back of your head for the rest of your life, you're going to wonder, yeah, but maybe I should have worn a mask or maybe I should have done this and just planting that seed and then getting off the call and, you know, throwing something at something else, <laughs> whether it's like a ball at the wall or um, playing a video game to relieve stress or, or pretending that I can work out because I am not athletic. Um, <laughs> but that's all you can do yeah. because your role is to help these people help themselves. And damn, that can get hard. Really, yeah. really hard. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I just recently just started going going back to the gym and I felt comfortable enough to go to a gym. Um, but you know, the gym was definitely a, a huge uh, stress, you know, reliever. I, you know, just ha having like a, a bad day or, or you know, supervisor pissed me off, <laughs> so I go like, mm -hmm. you know, lift some weights and whatever and machines and and it, it was great. And then not, ha not having that. Um, you know, for a while, a whole year and a half, you no, know, it was definitely uh, you no know, missing. I'm definitely not a a home uh, exercise person at, at all. At least not not too much anyway. Um, despite my having some equipment and stuff, I still I still won't do it at mm -hmm. home. Um, so, and then having that, you no, know, being distressing. You mentioned the video games too. Uh, definitely, you know. Madden or MLB the shows definitely <laughs> helps helps as well as just as a, as a stress reliever. So it, you know, it, it might not be uh, you no know, significant to some, but for others, it's definitely uh, you know it gets you through through the day and you know, de stress and you know recharge and hopefully get a good night's sleep and you got to do it all over again. <laughs> no, you're totally right. And like a big thing too is. Um, knowing that everyone's going to have their own way of doing it. Like, like that's the reason I started doing stuff on like TikTok was because I, I needed to laugh about stuff and I needed to help other people laugh about it. And if I didn't, I was going to lose my mind. Um, so again, like none of it's actually any good, but people do patronize me and like it at points um, because you, you, you need to find a way to laugh and that like, even when I work with people, um, it's the number one reason people come to see me is because I'm very real with people and we still find like the humor in situations kind of to prove that no situation is hopeless, even if we feel helpless. And, um, that's also why I only work with people who are kind of like adolescents and up because you can't talk shit to a five-year-old. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't work. Yeah, I had a five-year-old client. It was definitely <laughs> this is only so much you could do with a, with a five-year-old. Yeah, because I'm like, oh gosh darn, that sounds terrible. And no, I don't do that. I'm like, oh fuck. 
why would you why would you say that to your teacher the teacher's in charge well they shouldn't be i'm like i don't give a shit <laughs> they are now you follow the rules so you can make the rules but exactly. you can't say that when they're like finger painting <laughs> right <laughs> but again they just don't come back this is also another reason that i have a private practice because i would get hired so so fast <laughs> yeah so um no, no, no. As, as you know, and as some of my listeners know, know working and living in Delaware, and I, I, I've been struggling with finding appropriate resources, you know, for people in the community that that might, you know, need resources and stuff like that, stuff like that, and is the resources. You know, Delaware is a small state. Like you could literally pass through Delaware and not even realize you're you're in the state. And mm-hmm. uh, and it's like, man, like you know, and especially coming from New York, you no know, big, you no know, big city. Uh, if you be, besides besides housing, because uh, you know, the politicians don't believe in, in housing for 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 people. Um, but besides that, you know, you pretty much could get any anything you you really need if you really look for it. Uh, and coming to Delaware is like, man, there's, you know, we got a whole bunch of people who, who are needing housing assistance, and if you don't have money to to buy a freaking house or get a mortgage, or and even even if you did, you know, the housing the housing market here is is so hot and it's been hot down here that. It's hard to really find any properties. There's nothing, nothing available in, in terms of major resources that you know, people would need on a day in day day out basis. Or you know, there there you no know, there's uh, you know, soup kitchens and, and stuff here and there, but it's not something that I'm used to. And it's something that that I've been struggling with. Like what, like what have you seen? You know, you work in Delaware and and you know. And, and in Maryland, what what have you seen in terms of uh, resources or lack thereof? That that's something that uh, you know health officials, health officials and, and government officials need to be, you know take heed and and do for the community. Absolutely, because um, I think that you you put it extremely well. Like when I was in New York, I would hear about. Um, how resources would be available, but then working in Baltimore City, like you know that that's basically the uh, the New York of Maryland, and um, their the housing was terrible. Politicians were terrible, but at least there were places to refer to. But then I work in uh, Kent County, Maryland, and we have to refer people to Baltimore, like because there's just there's just nothing around, and even in you know the middle of Delaware there's nothing around and it's so incredibly frustrating because if you, you know, you have something with alcohol or a substance, you can point them to like pace and it can be a good program. But if it's not for you, I don't want to say too bad, but that's effectively how it works, which is awful. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with the pandemic and, you know, a lot of stigma, at least for mental health thing, you know, thankfully being um, worked on, and people opening up about needing stuff. It's like, okay, I want to go see and talk to someone. And I'm like, cool. I don't have any openings, but here's a bunch of other people who are also going to tell you that they don't have any openings. And then 
they're going to give you names that don't have any openings. And there's not really a push to help facilitate that um, because anything when it comes to mental health or anything when it comes to substance abuse or needing resources, especially for family counseling, um, it's just not a priority. It doesn't get you votes. It doesn't get you um, a lot of quantifiable outcomes, especially when a lot of it's preventing a negative outcome. You know, you never get credit for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's, it's infuri- I'm making up a word, I think, right now. Infuriatingly disappointing um, to the point that it does actually get me going when I think about it because uh, people need resources. And they're not going to drive an hour, hour and a half to Baltimore or Philly right. to do something that they kind of don't want to do in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. Or even like um, from from where I'm at and tell them, oh, uh, you got to go to, to Wilmington and Wilmington already has its own uh, negative s- uh, stigma just mm-hmm. on the alone, but that's where a lot of the social service agencies are in or you got to go further south like an hour, hour and a half from where I'm at now down in the South, which I know nothing about because I haven't driven that that far South uh, and just finding resources uh, uh, recently. Uh, so people are not willing and people don't have the resources to, the, I'm uh, working with a lot of families that still don't even have a car to get around. You need a car to do like the basic things like food shopping and and get medicines at pharmacies and stuff like that. Um, so and people don't just don't don't have that. So you're kind of stuck of like, oh, what to like really do and and really help your families and, and you're trying to figure stuff out while still like learning <laughs> the state yourself. So uh, mm-hmm. so it's 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 definitely been been challenging. And there is, here where I'm at is a lot of. Um, from Latin America, that's that's still uh, migrating into into the country, and they're like very, uh, you know, hidden, and like you're, you know, meeting them, and they're like just literally getting in, like 2020, 2019, and still learning how things work with the country. Where you still might, you know, having kids going to school and helping register them, and not learn, not knowing the language, and then coming to find out they. A lot of these families can't even read and write in Spanish. So, like, schools are providing, you know, resources or or the district providing resources, they won't still won't be able to know what's going on because they can't read and write in Spanish. So that comes with another challenge. And how do you like deal with that or, and finding resources to try to, you know, navigate that? And with and there's no resources to. Or very little to to deal with that. So it's it's been a, a lot of challenges, and we're still in a pandemic. So things are even though slowly opening up. You no, know, there's a lot of places that are still uh, closed off, and people working remotely. So that that so it's a, a challenge all the way around. Absolutely, and like you know, as you're talking, I'm thinking, yeah, and you know, when people trust you, you want to point them in a direction of somebody you know but then when the resources are either so far away or or just things that you're looking up online like they're like okay jason is this a good place i'm like i don't know but this is the only place that there is to go and 
and it can really harm your own relationship mm-hmm. with these people and harm for them their their trust in not just you but anybody who claims that they want to help them is just almost i had someone say jason it seems like it's a it's a weeks or month long version of being on hold when you're trying to get something done for a warranty. They're like, oh, I got to send you to this department. I got to send you to this department. Please hold. Got to send you to this department. Click. Right. And then you call back and it's like from the start again, except it's your life. Mm-hmm. And like you're saying with transportation and people, you know, who, who come from, well, myself included, come from an area of privilege where it's like, oh, yeah. Like, I didn't even think about how we don't have good public transportation here. Yeah, you just go on Route 1 for like a year, and then you get there. They're like, what, like on my feet? I'm like, damn it. That's a very good point. And you just, um, you don't know until you're in it what it's like for people to be in it. And um, the lack of resources is extremely frustrating. And, you know, even more so for the people we're working with, but we do care about these people. Um and when we can't help, it it, it does hurt, like even oh, after hours. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I I think I, I and and it comes, um, you know, knowing knowing yourself as a person, uh, being self aware. Like I, I've always tried to, once I'm off the clock, I, nine out of ten times, I, okay, I'm done. Like, you no know, with 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 the work and and just leave it at, at work and when I'm home it's all right well I gotta deal with at home because with, with the kids there's always you know something something go, going on or make sure they're not doing anything crazy they're not breaking stuff in the house or or, or what have you or there's before pandemic it was like all right there's homework time let us get the homework done and get the dinner like the shower and and just get ready for wind down, get ready for bed. Um, I've always been like that. I mean, there's only I, maybe a handful of times where like stuff has happened. It was like, like damn, like this is like really like did happen and you know, and it's affected me like two two three days and, and until like able to talk about it to, to somebody and and you know another social worker or whatever. Like this is what happened or. Uh, and you kind of get get through it, but um, do you find yourself doing that, or 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 just like you kind of like into the work like that, or you kind of like figure out ways to to de-stress as well? I I preach de-stressing all day long, and I do not do it at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you know, self care is so important, but. Like, like you're saying, like you turn off the clock, you know, it, it hits that hour mark and you're still thinking about them and you're still wondering like, oh, how are they doing? If they had like a suicidal ideation or something like this. And, you know, you need to relax. And somebody told my parents, not my personal, but like the parents I work with all the time um, is like, you, you need to take care of yourself if you're going to take care of your kids. Right. But again, it comes to yourself and you're like, yeah, that doesn't apply to me. <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> not going to do that. <laughs> no, but I, I think for me, I, I definitely make, make a a point of try to take care of, of me first, you know, before the kids and, 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 and that, that narrative is, doesn't get 
talked about enough or people like, oh, put my kids first before anything. But yeah, if if I'm not functioning <laughs> to mm-hmm. myself, how the hell am I going <laughs> to take care of the, the kids? If, like, I don't have my cup of coffee in, in the morning. Like, like I'm going to get like a pounding headache because I need the caffeine in my system. So I'm not going to be able to have a hundred percent focus on what my kids to make sure that they on the zoom and doing their their work so like like i definitely have to put you know me first and then all right like i'm ready to go all right like get on your zoom call it's almost time and like let's go and make sure you have the camera on and, and let's go to do do your work and then while i'm trying to like do my work too or if i gotta do a home visit or whatever i gotta do on my end as well so um, I definitely try to make you know, in terms of, of, of self care for for me, and then uh, figure things out with the kids as I go along. Because each day is definitely a, a different day. Mm-hmm. And like I tell parents a lot, like the oxygen mask when it comes down, like on an airplane, they tell you like put it on yourself before you put it on your kid. Like they don't tell you the reasoning behind it, and you will pass out really, really quickly while you're struggling to put on your kid's face mask and then you're no good to them and they passed out or you can unfortunately allow them to um, not put on their mask right away while you put yours on so that you're able to help them or help the other person next to you or help everyone else. Because if you're not taking care of you, you can't take care of anyone else. And it can be a struggle just to remember that you know, I, I and not envy. I admire that you're able to do, you know, to live by it. I tell people sometimes, like, hey, just because I can coach doesn't mean I can play. Like, <laughs> I can't necessarily claim to do all this stuff myself. Yeah, um, you mentioned earlier about how how you tell me more how um, uh, you know just the whole pandemic. How how is it a f- affected yourself your your work uh you know parent parenting uh in the, in this pandemic like like tell me more about that yeah i think um my last day at the office and i had about 15 minute commute which is basically my decompression time and i remember walking out of the bathroom and hearing somebody cough and i was like nope that's it i'm done <laughs> and i've just been literally in the storage area that I'm presently in of um, my basement, just, just doing the work. And, you know, my commute is now 12 steps, like, <laughs> like on the stairs, right? And um, there is no decompression time because mm-hmm. like I hear my kids up above me. And so I'm stressing about that while I'm talking to somebody I'm working with, or um, I don't get to decompress because I don't get to listen to like a podcast or a book or something while I'm driving home because you're, you're always on. And I think, you know, for me, that's been the most difficult part, especially, you know, at the beginning, I remember we were wiping down Amazon packages that would come because we thought that that was (laughs) going to do something. You know, you go to the, grocery store and see what all of your neighbors would look like if they were, you know, a nurse or a painter or a construction worker. Um, and it was, it was terrifying because you had no idea what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then it just became a new normal. 
but it almost felt like post-apocalyptic because it's like, this is my life now, but it's within this eight by 10 area. And, um, yeah, it's been pretty depressing. Like I was able to go see my therapist for the first time last week, like for the mm-hmm. first time, like 14 months, as opposed to doing it on the same computer with the same EM chart that I use, um, to work with my clients and then just click in another window and then it's Emily. So, Oh, Jason gets to talk about Jason for a minute. <laughs> there's, there's no you know, separation between the different aspects of your life. And it all just bleeds together into this really unattractive color. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's And I, I was thinking about it the other day, like going into like next year in terms of school, like, what are schools going to do? It's somebody who has like seasonal allergies, like my kids do, and if they just cough or or whatever, and it's just allergies. Am I going to get a call from from the school? Like you need to come pick up your child. Like we think you may have COVID or, or COVID, yeah. COVID test. Like and, we've we've had to do yeah. that twice because our kids went back to daycare and to um, like a preschool. And we had to go to the doctor and they did a test that wouldn't be for COVID. It would have to be for one of like, it's still like sticking something up your nose. It's very unpleasant, but Mm -hmm. for one of like 20, 25 other things. And they're like, okay, we can't say it's not COVID, but we do know it's this thing. So your kid can go back to school because it all looks the same. Mm -hmm. Because it's not like COVID, it's like an ear infection where obviously your ear is going to hurt. Like you, you could literally have nothing going on. Yes. So yeah, they they are all like calling you up at school, like, "Hey, you need to come get them about twenty minutes ago." <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy. Definitely not not something to to look forward to going Mm-mm. going into the fall when, when we got like you know the typical f- flu season coming. Um. So what? You have any any goals for for the rest of twenty twenty one? Oh, just getting back into the office, um, making the summer like double, doubly good so that my kids could have a summer that they missed out on last year. Um, having my wife not yell at me for the dishes, <laughs> uh, trying to do stand up in front of like actual people and getting booed off stage would be wonderful to experience again. Um, but yeah, as an introverted person, it's weird to say it, but like becoming more extroverted and just getting out there and doing stuff. Yeah. What about what about you? What are you looking forward to? Um, I'm uh, I'm still going to be wearing my my mask for the rest of 2021 going into 2022. So I would mm-hmm. love to love to have uh, uh, tan lines across my face and it'd be because of the mask. Uh, this summer, so that so that's goal number one. Um, something you know came up with work, so like you know figure stuff out in terms of work. Um, you know, I, uh, I'm also a licensed Zumba instructor, so finally getting that rolling along. You no know, doing the vir- teaching virtual classes. Um, I'm in the midst of uh, writing my first ebook. A poetry spoken word ebook just uh thoughts and feelings uh you know during the the pandemic and 
and just started writing just out of nowhere like oh this this rhymes this rhymes and just things just popped in my head and started writing so no looking forward to to like release that so no stuff is in the works and i'm looking forward to no june 15th my last day and then try to no no focus on on doing all, all that for the summer and in terms of traveling i, I just I just bought a house, bought a house in, in, in February. So if there ain't going to be any traveling, it's to back and forth to to New York to go see my dad and, and maybe uh, catch a, a Philadelphia Phillies game or, or going to going to DC catch a Nationals game. That that was like my goal from like last year before pandemic happened. So maybe doing doing that. Yeah, I mean, you. I mean, it might have been easier to just list what you weren't going to do. Like, you got gold. You got all of the stuff you're doing. It's, just, it's actually inspiring. Like, shit, I, want, I need to do something. I mean, I won't end up doing it, but I will I will encourage myself to. <laughs> so where, where can people find you? Um, people can find me. I've just been... Um, Delaware, my practice is full, but like my my poor entertainment um, side project is just not your therapist, dude. It's on TikTok and Instagram, and uh, I just post things. Some of it is therapy related, some of it is funny, and most of it is attempts to be funny that are not actually funny. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, it was good talking to you. No, again, pleasure all on this end. I really appreciate the opportunity, and I, I just love hearing from another social worker, certainly a male social worker, because you know there's like six of us in the world. <laughs> yeah, especially finally talk to somebody that that, that that's in my my new state. So, <laughs> yeah, like I'm not from here either. I don't understand how end up in Delaware. It's crazy to me. <laughs> yeah it was actually a, a 2020 2020 goal I, i've been i've been uh doing some homework on on the state since like 2017 so like oh this is somewhere i i, I think i could live in and, and finally made the move oh well good i mean putting you know it's very easy to make plans it's very difficult to execute them yeah so it's weird. It's weird from do, from doing home visits and you know going to the projects in New York City to like seeing cows and horses and like be on the lookout for deer in the, in the streets. So. Yeah, when people say like, "Oh man, the ghetto over here is like Lake Street," I'm like, "Really? That's what you think a ghetto is? Because the lawn is like seven inches tall." Okay, cool. <laughs> Let me show you some pictures. Um, but yeah, welcome, welcome to the state, and congrats Thanks. on no more sales tax. Yeah, have a good one. You too. Thank you, sir. Take care. Bye.